Welcome to Game Club, the podcast where we play a game with you and then we talk about it. I'm Dan Ryan. I'm the editor of Nonfiction Gaming. I'm Catherine Smythe-McMullen. I'm a screenwriter and I work in film and TV. And I'm Charles Bryce. I'm an avid tabletop gamer. And this week we played The Stanley Parable. There once was a man named Stanley who people considered so manly. But the truth must be told, he was not very old and was quite particularly gangly. What Stanley liked most was buttons. He pushed them like some kind of glutton. He did it all day in a meaningful way, but his brain had long ceased to function. But first, we want to know what happened in your nerd week. Catherine. Um, in my nerd week, I didn't get up to a huge amount. Um, I'm actually writing for a TV show at the moment, so that's kind of innately pretty nerdy. Um, I have had a thing that has been annoying me for ages, which was... I've been subscribing to Humble Bundle and I just end up with all of these codes for a million games that I know I won't have time to play. Um, so I actually made a public Google Docs document and then gave away all the codes to friends. So oh, wow. it it um it made me feel a lot less wasteful about my horrible Humble Bundle addiction. <laughs> Interesting. So you decided to give it away to friends and not the avid listeners of the Game Club podcast? No, no, I did not. That did not occur to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Also, I got or, nothing. Yeah, I didn't offer yeah. them to you guys either. So I guess we know who you, the real friends here are. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> Do your other friends even play games? Uh, I know Rowie doesn't. Wasn't so. even really friends. Yeah. It was enforcers wow. that I work with. The right. packs. There we go. So strangers instead of us. <laughs> no, that's cool. You have enough games. No, you're dead to me. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Charles, did you do anything interesting uh, for your nerd week? Oh, did I do anything interesting? So anyone who's been following Star Wars Destiny, the collectible card game, will know that the Spirit of Rebellion pre-release weekend uh, has just passed and it was very exciting and there were pre-release things everywhere. Unfortunately, I was at a wedding in Orange where there were no pre-release events. Uh, that's a small rural town in Australia for all those that aren't aware. Uh, and I was devastated and my life was over. But luckily, I found my cousin who... I then hired as a goon to go around to pre-release events and collect cards for me. And he did very well. And I managed to get my hands on like 33 packs of these cards. Wow. Uh, whereas most people only got like three. Yeah. Oh, so, what chumps. What yeah. chumps. So I'm pretty much a god of Star you, Wars cards. How did you go at your latest tournament though? <laughs> so I then went to a tournament with these cards and I'm like, I'm going to pull some new, new tricks. I'm going to blow the scene wide open. And I lost the tournament. I came last. I came dead last. <laughs> uh, so that was great. I had a great time losing repeatedly with all my new cards. But at least no you could sit comfortably at the wedding knowing that you had a goon out there collecting Star Wars cards for you. I could have, yeah. I wouldn't have enjoyed myself otherwise. There is a unique pain to knowing that there's some sort of special release or something that people are getting shiny things for and that you're trapped in some lame mainstream thing like a wedding where two people love each other like uh, <laughs> boo. Yeah. Uh, normal life getting in the way of nerd life is a frequent problem yeah. that no doubt plagues us all uh and it's about having random people that can mm, goons act, yeah goons yeah. if you will evil minions to act in your absence for my nerd week, I uh, did what I do every week, Pinky. I played Dungeons & Dragons with a group and then had Charles and Catherine come round. Or before that, had Charles and Catherine come round and we took photos for the Game, Co Game Club podcast. I forgot the name of our own show for a second. That's, that's us. We came round. Yeah, you did. And yeah. we got some, some very cute photos. Hopefully, we'll get them up on the site uh, this week for people who want to see what we actually look like, which is a bit scary. Mine and is fake. I'm catfishing. <laughs> <laughs> we actually hired a body double for yeah. Catherine's yeah. pictures. They've never met me. <laughs> Mine is all me. <laughs> yes. Um, so you'll be able to see them on the website on nonfictiongaming.com. And uh, apart from that, yeah, playing D&D, &D, uh, went out for drinks and then playing a lot of Helldivers lately and playing... I've uh, seen that in your Steam list. It's embarrassing, yeah. Dan. It's an it embarrassing was on the recent. Game. 
it was what on the it? recent multiplayer Humble Bundle, and <sighs> um, it's a fun two-stick shooter. Uh, was made by the same people who made Magicka, mm-hmm. and there's uh, Friendly Fire, and there's a lot of crazy bugs, and it's very Starship Troopers-esque. Uh, I don't think it'll make it to Game Club, because we've got a lot of games in the in the backlog that we need to play, but it, it's a real fun one that I've been playing, and then uh, also cracked out some Civ Five. been playing a bit of that. Yeah, Seen... you know I'm not allowed anymore. I'm not allowed yeah. to Yeah. <laughs> Well, we looked like, at wow. <laughs> we looked at Civ Six, but it's still sort of eighty dollars Australian, yeah. um, and you know, plus better. DLC. I mean, yeah. here's my issue with Civ games: if you played Civ Five, you've played Civ Six. They're like, oh yeah, but now we have the Mesopotamian no, civilization. No, but, see, but what I'm they like, do is get, it's get like, screwed. It's yeah. like with The Sims; they like I thought that about Civ Five compared to Civ Four, and then they just release DLCs that make it better and better, like. Like I think this one you can colonize Mars briefly, which you could never do in five and Oh, it's the same game. It's the same game with a new rapper. Look, the thing is either you, you, you love Civ and you get it and and you like just one more turn and it's five AM or you don't get it. And I'm gonna say that you you're not a Civ fan. I do not get it. Yeah. Also, Civ Six did just bring out uh, Australia as one of the civilizations you can play as. Oh, who do they have representing Australia? It's for like Ned Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is it, like, is it like Captain Cook or like uh, John Curtin? No, wait, first Prime Minister. One of them, yeah. I don't know. First, I think it was the first. I'm gonna hist- I'm gonna history this. I. I have a bachelor's of history. You know, if you get this wrong, it's even more embarrassing. I'm giggling this right now. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really upset. It wasn't Harold Holt. I think that would have been really. No, that cool. would have been great if we if it had been Harold Holt and we had seafaring advantages. That would yep. be the best. <laughs> but thing. occasionally, your boats just get lost at sea without yeah, warning. Yeah, yeah. No, I want Tony Abbott. <laughs> You want Tony Abbott and he builds a wall around Australia? It'd yeah. be amazing, yeah. yeah. You get yeah. extra bonuses if you're yeah, if you cultivating great, onions. Yeah, if you build the great wall, <laughs> that onion you get thing. a plus five to culture. <laughs> that onion thing still blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, just, the, the programming broke. We're not here for that. Uh, yeah. We're not here for that. No. The, po- the so political that's, uh, podcast is next hour. <laughs> yeah. It's wrong. 14th. Oh. And he's a Labour Prime Minister. Who the fuck knows who John Gurman is? Was it serving during World War Two? That's the best they could do. Yeah, I mean... No one knows who he is. No. Although it's more embarrassing that you thought he was our first and you have a Bachelor's of History. Yeah, but not in Australian history because no one cares. Moving along, let's go to the next segment. In the news. I'd love to hear your news. Yeah, okay. So uh, a few things happened, uh, one of which uh, was Rogue One was released on DVD and Blu-ray, but it's a bit of a disappointment. And why do you think it might be a disappointment, Dan? Uh, because everyone lives. <laughs> no, no, they haven't changed that. Uh, oh. Everything's the they did, same. They did have an alternate ending. Did they? Yep. Uh, not yeah. on the DVD. The director was talking about the ultimate ending where people didn't die. Yeah, but was it on the DVD? No. No. So they've released these DVDs and Blu-rays edition. Now, remember back in the day when DVDs were a new kind of thing and the whole point of them, the reason you'd buy them, is that they had a whole bunch of extra content. Yes. I mean, like oh, director's, you, director's commentary. You also bought them like because everything was on DVD compared to streaming. It's like Yeah, know. but they offered something. Yeah, they, they gave they, you yeah, a reason yeah, to yeah, buy yeah. them. Uh, so this one's come out. And we know that there was a bunch of stuff shot for Rogue One that we never got to see. Uh, yeah, because some of it, made it some was in the trailer yeah, and didn't make it to the final film. Like, it's them running along the beach and they've got, like, the plans in their hand and it's like, well, they were already well past the beach at that stage. There's the TIE Fighter shot that apparently they've come out and said that shot was only for the trailer and was never meant to be in the film. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> so what I would have loved to see was – and, it, like, the, we've discussed the movie at length personally in bars and whatnot over drinks. Uh, we like It was good, but it wasn't great um, because it, it just – it flitted between storylines and it didn't make a lot of sense in certain aspects. Uh, and, and, it, and that's kind of why mm. – yeah, so I was expecting in the DVD release some kind of director's cut that fleshed it out more and made the story flow a bit better and it was going to be amazing and they were going to include things from the trailers and it was going to be grittier and it wasn't going to be the Disney-fication of the original shots, but no, none of that disappointment. Yeah. So it just has nothing nothing extra, it's just the film? Yeah, just, oh, I don't know, there might be something extra, but either way, they didn't, they didn't delve into all the extra stuff that we know exists 
but didn't get to see. Interesting. Hmm. So that's that news. There's more, but do you want to do you want to throw something of yours out? Uh, I had one from. Uh, there's a big news story this week. I'm not, I know, Charles, you play or have played World of Tanks and play World of Warships a bit. Uh, the CEO of Wargaming, the, the company behind World of Tanks, has had to issue an apology. Um, and for sort making of, World of Tanks? <laughs> for making, no, for making a, a pay-to-win game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll read out just sort of a bit here. Wargaming's chief, chief executive officer, Victor Kisley, um, sort of made this big apology and said, we were very arrogant. Uh, we thought we knew what our players wanted uh, without listening to them. And we, you know, they, he says he wouldn't call it a disaster, but they hit a wall at some point. Apparently their very rabid Russian fan base wasn't happy with the direction the game was going. And so they've had to like go beyond just rolling back updates. Like they've yeah, had to sort of... Russians would, would not mind not playing a tank-based game. <laughs> the tanks didn't do well. They love it. No, they're... Oh, Catherine, that's that's their bread and butter, apparently. Right. Yeah, Crazy. it's big enough. Well, they're Russian. It's a Russian company, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I know it's European-ish. Okay, like Eurozone? Ukrainian, maybe. I, I don't know. Russia. Russia's conquered most of that part of Europe <laughs> by now. So, whatever, they're all Russian. Yeah. I, I know there's been a big issue with, uh, especially World of Tanks, um, the focus on the pay-to-win aspect. Uh, there's been a lot of complaints about that. Uh, and rightly so. I mean, being able to just buy advantages in a game, especially that one that's trying to cultivate a competitive scene, mm. is a bit insane. Yeah, uh, but, but it's they're making mm, money hand over fist. It should be skins, like like how League does it. No, no, no. It's a free-to-play game. So, like, I don't know, Destiny, the car game that I'm playing, for instance, if you want to get good cards, you have to buy the cards. Like, but, where do you draw the line? But I mean, but I think there's better ways to implement it. Like anything that leaves players feeling cheated or unfair. Like League is a great example. It's free to play, but they make their money off skins and of unlocking characters. And you can always play those characters. It's just about when you can play them. And so, like, the thing is, like, you're right. It's a free to play game. They need to make money. But if your players are walking away feeling unsatisfied, then something in your design is wrong. Kind of going back to the players and saying, well, you're wrong isn't actually that <laughs> that because they will just walk away from their free game yeah i got more on that on that in that area with mass effect a little later on but we'll focus back in uh meh, i think a free-to-play game can monetize however it wants and with world of tanks i mean what you're paying for is kind of separate versions they're not always necessarily better there's a few little tweaks here and there but certainly in the past it hasn't been pay to win in a huge way but i'm guessing they changed that and that's what people are rebelling against yeah, that and uh, I think the with World of Warships and World of Warplanes. Yeah, just... yeah, that's a thing. It wasn't very successful. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. warplanes. It's a whole world of just planes. Couldn't they just say planes? Nope, not as no, It's got to be W-O-W. Like warplanes is not a thing we say. <laughs> yeah, it is not, no. Just world of planes. Although then I guess it's like landing planes. You've got the 747, yeah. but you need <laughs> <laughs> Not as effective in battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, there's a bunch of issues I think with the their key audience saying, "Hey, you're taking too much time away from good development towards World of Tanks, and all we're getting is sort of this crap, and you're sort of expecting us to pay for it to be competitive." Um, so I think they're doing a whole reshuffle and going, "Yep, yeah, okay, we fucked up." Um, we're going to focus on the one that's got the rabid fan base that's really vocal. That's fair enough. Yeah, got to do what you got to do. Yeah, got to make them dollars. Thing is, you, I mean, you don't want to listen to every single criticism that your players have, <laughs> but if you don't listen to enough, then people start walking away from the game. So, yeah, yeah, any game. And the point of the game is to make money. So yeah. you got to got to do what you got to do. Yeah. All right, Catherine, what news have you got? What um, news so have you brought us? My news is I think Charles will be talking about Mass Effect a little bit later, um, but I'm a huge fan of the Mass Effect games. I haven't played Andron Andronima yet, um, mostly because I don't have a good enough computer to play it. Um, <laughs> but I was really interested to see this week that they um, announced their first big, I think it's their first big patch, right? Like it's their 1.1 yep. to patch the game. And it's not. it doesn't bring any DLC or anything, although I think that comes later. Um, but the, that they'd updated some of those facial animation problems that everyone kind of has been giving it so much flack for, um, and which is a real shame because I, I hear the story is amazing and the story has always been such a big part of, um, of the Mass Effect games and why I love them. 
Um, so to kind of see that like not being a thing that you can really get into because the animation is so bad is, I mean, obviously it's not ideal. Um, and also I thought it was really interesting that they responded to um, the community feedback about a transgender character that had been introduced in the game um, and there had been some criticism of the dialogue tree and how quickly she kind of revealed her original name to you and things. And I was really impressed by how um, they kind of responded to that and then really took that on board in terms of feedback. Like I think it's a really, it can be really easy with, you know, internet kind of outrage cycles and, and you know, companies kind of feeling like there's a witch hunt or like there's a bit of hysteria or whatever. But it is also a thing where when it's done well, it's kind of you you listen to the community and and you you get feedback and you know as long as you don't as long as you respond in the right way it's kind of it i think this is kind of in a way the, the best case scenario like they didn't implement something in a way that people thought was particularly realistic and they've changed it in an update or they're appeasing politically political correctness to mask a shoddy game Controversial. Well, yeah, okay, controversial. Charles <laughs> I, I is just, controversial. But I just I, think I, it's more like irrespective of the game, like, you know, when you get – I'm not saying that every time people criticise an aspect of the game you have to change it. Like, obviously, that's a fine line. But sometimes you, you do get it wrong and kind of responding to that gracefully and changing it is a really – like, it's, it's true in – especially with games where it can release updates. Like, when a TV show or a film gets it wrong, you can't really reshoot it. Like <laughs> – yeah, I think it's fine for them to make those changes. And I think in looking at or having having seen that news story and sort of seeing some of the details going, oh, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. It's it's like, you know, meeting a character. You know, to give you some context, Charles, I'm not sure if you sort of know the story behind it. You kind of walk up and you meet a character and then within the first one or two dialogues with them, they go, oh, hey, by the way, I'm transgender or I was originally born a male or something like that. Yeah. And here is my here is here was my original name and all of this stuff that just didn't. And I think fundamentally people's issue was it didn't ring true to what a real life interaction would be like. Unless, of yeah. course, they're a vegan, in which case, you'd know, in the first two sentences. <laughs> or unless like this is well in the future and stuff like that isn't seen as a thing that people are sort of worried about. They're just like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, yeah, but uh, my dog's name you, is Steven. And, you, um, you probably wouldn't mention it if it was something that people weren't worried about. Like that's – I think that was why it, it was just – it was mostly people were just like, it's really weird dialogue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if – yeah, true. I mean, if we, com if, if we could complain to EA or Bioware about shitty dialogue and they'd change yeah, it I mean, for everything, be, I like, think we'd be in a great page. place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they'd, they'd just stop producing games. Yeah. So – uh, Mass Effect's interesting for me, and I've been watching this quite closely because it's kind of we've reached this point with gaming where you have to make a bit of a choice. I mean, do you do you buy a game and pre-order a game if you trust the franchise and you're a bit of a franchise fan? And people have been doing that and pre-ordering games. I mean, that fascinates me as a concept in itself because why would you? There's there's no it's reason like to do it. It's like you get like a free $5 statue and you're like, I must have yeah. it. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's digital. I mean, it's not like with the Switch I pre-ordered because they ran out. Uh, there was reason to do it. Whereas if you pre-order a Steam game, you must be insane. So people did it for No Man's Sky to, and that burned them. Be, it used to not be digital and that's where the culture of pre-ordering came sure. in. But, yeah, or an origin game in this case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so people people pre-ordered it and obviously were upset that it was it was trash. I mean, because at the same time you had Horizon Zero Dawn of Horizons come out uh, mm -hmm. and at the same time Zelda came out. So it was compared to these two games as it should have been. That are, that are great games. That yeah. are great games. And this was this piece of shit that essentially. It's a piece of shit. I think that's being too harsh. Like you haven't played it. You haven't looked at footage or read articles. So Judge away, saying... Charles. I want to hear your judgment. <laughs> you bring down the hammer. I'm making un, like, unfounded statements. Unsubstantiated yep. judgments here. Do yep. not interrupt yep. me. Uh, piece of shit was the words I used uh, and just trying to like ride the franchise name essentially and we've seen it before and I think people are getting jacked of it but like the thing is those things go in cycles like the really big franchises like look at Dragon Age Dragon Age 2 was awful like I love Dragon Age so much the first one and I played it so many times and 2 was one of the worst games I've ever played that I've paid that much money for mm. and but 3 I didn't buy it because I was clever yep <laughs> um, but 3 was great and part of that was because they realized how badly they'd fucked up with two, I think. Um, 
And I think the thing with Mass Effect is that, I, I mean, I don't think it's as much of a fuck up as Charles is saying. Was it Bioware for both? Did yeah. Bioware do yeah. both of these games? Yeah. People have to yeah. stop buying Bioware games, I think, is the gist no, of this. But I, but I guess my point is um, that the thing I find really fascinating is that I think the ability to push out updates and patches and not just DLC, but just literally fix bits of a game. Like, if you're not happy with the facial animations of a game, why are you shipping it? Yeah, but, and they, like, but they are. They're shipping it and just yeah. going, oh, we'll fix it later. And but but that's, true. that's true of heaps of games. And it's like, yeah. look, most of the time, like obviously the ability to fix a game-breaking patch is a good thing or to make a game slightly better or what have you. But I think in general, you know, when, when games were shipped with CDs, that, that was it. Like if the game wasn't playable or didn't look good. And, and I've read a few articles, like I know off a couple of sites like Kotaku and, and a couple of other um, a couple of other gaming review sites have said that they find it really hard to review games now and they kind of either iter- like change their reviews as the game gets updated or they kind of have a big statement up top saying like we reviewed this version of the game because they find stuff like you know even with small indie games you'll review a game and say um oh the boss fight was too hard and the next week the developer will have updated it and and changed something and so it's like well you know that's great but it also means the review kind of doesn't stand anymore like you know that's a review that now the game has fixed something but it just it means it's hard to um, like until a game is kind of stabilized, it's hard to judge it accurately. And like I've 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 judged the new Mass Effect game now. I've kind of gone, you know what? I don't think I'll pay the money for it, even though I love the franchise. And it's a shame because over the next few patches, the things that the reviews said were bad about it might be updated. Like it's just it's a very interesting world now in terms of how long gaming review lasts. I guess. Like, and this touches on a point that we were talking about in the last episode of Game Club with Blackwake obviously being in early access, you kind of expect that kind of thing. Mm. However, these games are launching. They yeah. are paying, they are ready to like go. You are bucks. paying yeah. either on a, in an online store or you've gone into a store and got a CD and then forgotten or a DVD and, and then you've forgotten you that your DVD... DVD. Pl- yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a DVD drive plugged into your <laughs> machine anymore. Uh, so you just have to use the code. But yeah. that has happened to me. However... Uh, go, and, and going back to your point, Catherine, on the, the game codes, we've received review codes uh, for nonfiction. And yeah, we've played games and gone, hey, yeah, that's okay. The game's got problems because this seems broken, this seems broken. And then there's a day one patch. Mm-hmm. And then do we put a note in our review that we've already sent out? Or do we have to write another article and say, hey, look, here's our second look at the game? Like, do we, should we take the time to do that? A- 10 more games have probably come out in like that hour. Like look at how many games are on Steam now. So I think publishers are under the pump to, not publishers, the developers, I guess. I'm not sure which comes which, but they're under the pump to get games out quickly. Uh, And they all come at it under EA. I mean, but that's where Bioware, I'm pretty sure, comes Mm, under. The EA would be putting pressure on them to get this game out as quickly as possible to combat Zelda and Horizon Dawn. Well, but uh, no, it's, it's not necessarily around other games like that. It's partially like... They have such huge teams and, you know, you work on it for two or three years and, like, I find the facial animation aspect fascinating, for example, which is they would have looked at that and gone, this is not ready, but we're shipping it anyway. And is it like, do they hope that no one was going to notice? <laughs> but but the thing is, like, I guess if it's that or having to lay off 100 people because you didn't ship in time, mm-hmm. like, it kind of, like, it can't, these companies, I'm, I'm not giving them a free pass, but just there are so many factors at play, like, what are the games being released? your workforce, what other games you have in the pipeline, you know, what consoles are coming out, what exclusives you have. But on on the flip side, as a gamer, you have to be, I mean, smart about what you do. Don't pre-order games. I mean, wait until a game gets a few reviews, make the decision then and buy it. Like people who are outraged. I got a significant, like, cost reduction. Like if I could have pre-ordered it for 50. Okay. Well, then don't be mad if it's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Understand that you're taking the risk, just like Kickstarter and, and move on. Keep the rage to yourself. Yeah. The other end of the spectrum, of course, is Star Citizen when you have someone who just never ships a product. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to our next segment. Oh, oh, no, wait, wait. There's one more exciting thing that happened. Okay. Uh, Total War Warhammer 2. I think you misheard exciting for really boring. <laughs> what? Total War Warhammer 2's trailer was released. There's going to be um, like Night Elves and High Elves. And by Night Elves, I mean Dark Elves and just Elves and Skaven <laughs> and maybe Tomb Kings. And the lizard men are in there and they're like, Pierre, we're in a forest. Pierre, there's a portal. It looks really good. I feel like I'm watching someone have a stroke. Like. <laughs> 
So total war Warhammer two. So this is done. Is this? Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, wait, wait. So he bags Horizon Dawn of Horizons for a bad title, <laughs> and total war Warhammer two. You might as well be like Dawn of the War. Well, planes attack. Catherine, <laughs> Catherine, if the you more were, you say war, the better. If you were a real nerd, you know you'll know that the Total War series uh, no, is an ongoing that. series. It's still a shit title. Total War Shogun, Total War Rome, and this I understand, is. But, but maybe if it's if it's a Warhammer game, just like Total War Hammer of Wars. Like I mean, you know. That's not better. That's worse. Yeah, you made no, it worse. Yeah, no, no, Catherine, I'm just you, saying it's silly. you cannot criticize people's naming <laughs> conventions. The fact is, the game's about war. And now we know and it. And now hammers. And <laughs> war and hammers, correct? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say that I also think Warhammer is a stupid name for a war gaming franchise. That. Like, do they all have tiny hammers? <laughs> is that what it is? Why is it called Warhammer? That's a good um, question. <laughs> you don't even know, do you? Let's move on. Let's move on. Warhammer tattoo and doesn't know why it's called Warhammer because they had Warhammers in the original Warhammer. Yeah. 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 Sigma. Do you know that Sigma? Had a big warhammer, and this I think is more embarrassing it. for you than I think the, that's, not knowing what it the is. First Prime Minister of Australia. I'm going to research that now. <laughs> okay, well, Charles, Arguably, is I know more about Warhammer than history. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the history of the emperor uh, praise him more than you know about the uh, the Prime Minister. Correct. Okay, well, for real, we're going to go to the meat of the podcast. The Game Club Game of the Week, and that was the Stanley Parable. Now, Catherine, this uh, well, this, this is, is my recommendation. Yeah, this was your recommendation. Yeah. So, do you want to give us this a is recap? One of my favorite games. Uh, yeah, so this is. Um, I mean, it's not quite a sequel. It was based on um, a tiny little indie game that got a lot of buzz, um, and then was kind of relaunched to much fanfare. Uh, was it 2014? I think it came out, um, and I love this game. It is very much a game where people kind of, when I recommend it to people, it's kind of like, well, if I explain anything about it, you, it, that will ruin it. Like if I, if I say, oh, it's this, and then you have to do this, like you will kind of lose part of the joy of discovering that in the game. Um, the, it's, it's one of the only games where I often play games with the sound off, like, you know, not always, but it's not a huge part of the gameplay experience for me. Um, but with this game, because it's so much about the narrator and, and kind of him taking you through your gaming journey. Um, I, I just love every aspect of this game. Um, I, I still haven't found all of the secret endings. Um, but I'm, I think I'm pretty close. There's a few where I looked them up and I was like, I cannot be bothered. Like, I love this game, but I can't do that. <laughs> and I will say then, so on the back of that, if you have not played the game, I would, I would stop the podcast here. Yeah. And just play it. Yeah. Like it'll take only life. take you a couple of hours. You need to go do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of the premise of game club that we're all going to play the game and then sort of discuss it with you. Uh, and, and you'll be able to sort of send us in comments. We do have a, a comment or two, uh, from our game club fans. But um, yeah, so definitely turn the podcast off if you haven't played the Stanley Parable yet, because we're going to get deep we're into spoiler spoil territory. Yeah. And then one day, something very peculiar happened. Something that would forever change Stanley. Something he would never quite forget. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think, like, I, I love... It's definitely a commentary on especially video games and the nature of like, it is strange, you know, you're, you're controlling someone else and you're running around and you believe the rules of the world. Like, Oh, of course I can press this button and have this door close or whatever. And it slowly makes you more and more aware of that as, as a mechanism. And, and just, I just think it's such a clever, amazing game. Um, and, and I, I mean, the thing is, I was the converted one, so I'm really interested to hear what Charles thinks about it because I kind of, it's like, let's play Stanley Parable. And I think he looked at the pictures of, like, man sits in office and was like, no. <laughs> yeah, especially because it uses the... I mean, it was originally based on the Half-Life 2 mod, as you said. Mm. Uh, it doesn't look like an amazing game. I mean, Half-Life no. 2 was a long time ago, and I think the mod was came out around 2011? Yeah, I mean, that I was the, what, you, what you'd call the first Stanley Parable, I guess. Sure. Um, this one, I, I'm pretty sure, was built off its own engine. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we, I originally looked at it, and, I mean, the choices were this or Frisky Detective or whatever. It's called Frisky <laughs> Business. So, I mean, you know, 
I was pretty devastated when Par- Parable was chosen. So it looked boring as it looked really lame. Uh, and I jumped in and I'm like, all right, well, I got to give it a shot because Dan will get angry if I don't. Uh, so I played it and I was going along and I was doing what the narrator was telling me. So, so you're an abayer. I was... Well, well, no. So it was, and it was witty and it was great. And then I went the wrong way uh, on purpose because I'm like, do what I want. Yeah. Uh, and I, I going, at what point? I want to know at what point you... Did the that. Doors is the, always the, the left first and right choice. door. The left and right door was. Oh, okay, first right, choice. right. So you went along until you had that first choice. Yep. And the first thing I did was go right. So and then- I think there's something to be said about personality types. There, if mm. you're the person that chooses the left door or the right door, there's some judgment to be made about <laughs> what you are inside. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm all about like following rules and con- like conforming. It's what I do. So that's interesting. Maybe I'm secretly. I took the left door. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, that the makes first sense. time I played. You live for praise. So oh, yeah, my, f- my first playthrough, <laughs> my yep. first playthrough, I, I followed every single instruction. Yeah. All the way and to you, the end. So you would have gotten the life ending. Uh, yeah. Whatever and the garden like, was. What is this game? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what a, what a boring game. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, continue, Charles. the worst. I mean, yeah, so I went right and then I went down the lift and I stumbled across the the end room uh, with all the screens and it's like, wait, you weren't meant to see this this early and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, this just got amazing. So then he reset and I kept rebelling. And then the line came in and it went everywhere and it was just, it just blew my mind. Like it took about 20 minutes for me to go this, like my mind is being blown matrix style yeah. all over the place. Uh, and Did it was just awesome. the broom awesome. closet ending? Oh, the broom closet was so amazing. So I kept going in the broom closet and I kept standing in there and he's like, why are you so fascinated with this broom closet? And I'm like, cause <laughs> I love, and I tried clicking on everything and he's like, no, seriously, there's nothing in it. I'm like, you liar. He's right. There was nothing in there. But my favorite bit was that a few times later when I restarted or he restarted me, uh, it was then boarded up. He boarded up the broom closet so I couldn't go in there anymore. And I'm like, there is a broom closet ending. So great. Yeah, I heard there was. So I, I researched endings afterwards yeah. as I feel most people do because you want, you want to know more. You want to find more stuff. But uh, just the fact that he boarded it up, like didn't even say anything about yeah. it, wasn't even mentioned. He's just like, I'm not letting you go in there and anymore. And you realize that the resets aren't true resets. Like when Yeah, you press I think the, that's um, a big thing. Yeah, like re- having that moment where it's like what you do, it's not that it has an impact. Like it's uh, the input received one on the computers yep. because it's like, yeah, you will never have four computers that can that you can touch and put an input into but over playthrough after playthrough you realize like oh it's it's building up to something um i think my my favorite ending i mean i find it so hard to choose between them but the choice ending um where it's like it did you get to that one charles with the ringing phone yeah yeah so that's that's i think my favorite one where it's um when you pull the phone out of the wall and then you get a whole lecture on choice. <laughs> what is choice? You shouldn't choose. Like, um, and then of course the amazing game ending, the like mi- the Minecraft, the, when, where, where oh, you just yeah. like, that was just, I remember playing that. Cause I, you know, obviously replayed it for this and just whenever I found a new ending, I would remember what it was like when, I found it the first time, which was me just sitting there being like, what is happening? Like, um, but so yeah, you're, you're actually explaining endings. Like there's a couple of endings I haven't gotten and you're, you're talking about them. Like, I don't, I don't think I got a phone ending. Right. Yeah, wow. So phone ending is, yeah, you, you go, um, people, uh, people yeah, work people out themselves. Yeah. You'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You'll get there. Just keep testing shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah there's, yeah. there's ones out there. And, yeah. uh, just for me, like it was that first experience and it kind of, it wins you in that first 10 minutes where you're like, wow, this game just broke all gaming conventions and it's slightly mocking you. It's, uh, and it's having a great time. My favorite was when you chose to not blow it up and try and take control mm. of the, like the mind control devices. Uh, and he's then going to blow it up for you and he traps you in there and you're, you're trying to Pressing work the out the code. And, yeah. So, I, you know, there's the five numbers and I'm trying to work out the code and he's like, and he's laughing at you pressing these numbers and going, it's not going to do anything. And I, I, I'm like, surely it must. No, no, there's no way you can stop that. Like, and he, that that's the way it works. Yeah. It's, it's very much, you know, that thing on, um, yeah, realizing that you're a player and, but the character has its own internal life, but of course it doesn't because you're controlling it. Like there's, there was a moment in, I think it was in the choice ending where you could, you saw Stanley for the first time. It's the only time you actually see Stanley in the entire game in terms of like, while you're playing it. Um, and you're just like, yeah, like that's a minion that's controlled, but it's also me, but it's not me. And like, it just, it really, I think it's a game where, if you love games, you will love it because of what it says about playing games. But if you're not a gamer, I don't think there's much there for you. It, it wouldn't have anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, well, just be, like, like this getting, is a weird game. <laughs> getting to the museum ending, mm. uh, you get to see. I mean, they show you like, hey, yeah, here's a bunch of stuff from one of our show initial you the dev of the game. Yeah, yeah, here's the dev stuff, and 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 you know, oh, we, you know, here's what the initial switches looked like, and and mm. you can try each one of them, and and here are some layouts of of what that first office area felt, you know, was going to be, and we had to make sure it was the right size so you could get enough narration, or you could run through it. You know, because you'd have to run through that area over and over again to play this game, uh, and and that sort of fascinated me as someone who obviously you know writes about video games a lot. I'm like, oh wow, like this is kind of the you know peeking behind the curtain um, a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, and also just a really interesting way of learning about it compared to you know the normal go and look at a YouTube clip and a developer talking. Like, mm. um, I kind of think more games should have like a level that explains how they made the game. Um, I think also, yeah, one of my favorite ones was just where you refuse to leave the room at the start. You just sit there. <laughs> you close the door and then you yeah. just go, yep, okay. Just, I'm done. And it's like, because there's always a tiny part of me that like in a film or a game, especially a game, because obviously you're autonomous and you're choosing to move around. I'm like, what would happen <laughs> if I did just stay in this village? Like, I, uh, what if I did nothing? <laughs> I was watching, uh, looking at some wonderful Star Wars memes today where it was like, uh, two scenes and then the credits roll because that's it. It was like, you know, Obi-Wan to to Emo Vader or Anakin as it's about to turn. It's like, the Emperor's evil. And Anakin's like, oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. And it's like, roll credits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that very much reminded me of that. Yeah. Well, Romeo and Juliet, why don't you just tell her your plan? <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we've sort of touched on what kind of things stood out in the game. If you had to say sort of your favorite ending that you came across um what what would you put down as your favorite uh so my favorite was the one where i think you kind of dropped down where you took the left where it said escape and the narrator's like that's not an escape you're going the wrong way and blah blah and then there was this female narrator that came in out of nowhere and started like driving you on and then like was telling you to quit the game like when a game's telling me to quit the game i'm like that's that's rad uh it's just i'm going, hooked in <laughs> i'm gonna I'm keep playing this yeah. game because <laughs> um, the things were closing in and about to squash you and then you went to an alternate bit and then you were back and just that really that really impressed me i thought that was pretty great yeah i think, I think that's my- the museum one isn't it uh, do you do, do you go there through the museum and then when you leave the museum no, no, you're no, back no, in the no, no this no? is different no. it's, you're, you're almost at the boss uh the boss office wait you're, you're through the boss office and then as you're on your way out towards the life ending there's one escape hatch no, i think it's like, before them but either way it yeah. says escape and yeah. you go towards yeah. and, and it's escape. like handwritten and stuff yeah. yeah 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 um i think mine are a draw between the the choice ending, the choice ending, and um, the game ending. The I because I mean I think the the fact playing miniature games in a game about games was <laughs> just meta enough that it blew my mind. Um, the baby game, so dark. Yeah, so dark. Um, and there's another there's another secret ending there if you press the if you press the button for the amount of time it says, which is yeah, four hours. Four hours. So it tells you to like save this baby for four hours, and apparently if you do it, it actually rewards you with different things, uh, which is amazing because you think four hours would be able to made up time. And yeah. They're just messing with you, but yeah. no, no, if you do it for four hours. Yeah. And I've I've it's it's funny because I played it the first playthrough so long ago. I've got all these achievements in the game, and I look at them and I'm like what did I do? <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, I'm not sure I could do it again. Like it's one of the achievements. It's like, don't jump. I'm like, yep. how did I jump? I got that. What uh, is it? No, so that's, so in a game, you press space run, you jump, right? Yep. That's almost every game out there. Yep. So I'm, I'm going around and I'm trying to get on top of things. So I'm pressing space run. I'm trying to jump up and it's just a natural reaction. Yep. And then it was like a thing that came, the achievement popped up and it's like, you can't jump. No, seriously, we disabled it. And I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> and that would also, I guess, probably be a hangover from the fact it used to be a um, a mod of Half-Life. Yeah. Half-Life yeah. 2, yeah. Yeah, hilarious. And just the natural, like, it's making, a, like, a judgment on games, like the mm. space bars, what you can always do, and they disabled it on purpose and then mocked you for still trying to do it. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you love any game that mocks you. God, so good. Yeah. Treats me mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that... On that same okay. note, uh, before I step into my favorite, uh, my favorite ending, uh, the the achievements themselves are obviously quite weird. So there's that one about, you know, you can't jump, but there's also don't play the game for 
X amount of or five years or something. Yeah, and there's there's one. <laughs> I mean, I think you get that by changing the clock on your computer. I would assume, but I mean, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, there's one that's like play it for all of a Tuesday that I've really wanted to get. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then there's one achievement that just says you can't get this achievement. Yeah, I've tried to get that one. <laughs> I think that's like you have to. I'm pretty sure you have to go into like the console settings or something. Yeah, like like because I mean, there's a few. There's an ending. There's an ending where you have to turn on the console and then type certain things in the menu. Like you're not even in the game and you type stuff and it takes you to an ending. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's a thing where you have to change that in the actual files, like in the Steam, like yeah. the dot text. Um, yeah, I've read about it. I haven't bothered doing it though. <laughs> so to go to my favorite ending, uh, it was one of the ones where you, I think you disobey and you go right or whatever it is and you try and escape. I think I went down the stairs and I got to the parking, I got to a parking lot and mm-hmm. sort of, I was starting to leave. And then you realize that you're running around in circles. The, do- the doors are closing behind you, but you're in a loop. So you go like parking lot, room parking lot room and you're just sort of running around and it just keeps looping you around and the voice starts sort of giving you an internal monologue as as it has been throughout the game but it's like oh stanley realized that you know things looked a bit recursive and and you know you know this 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 parking lot didn't look quite right you know why is there a car there when there's no way for it to leave and and you know he started getting like panicked breath and and you know as he's describing all this stuff and like the music's getting tense and you're running around in circles and you're feeling trapped and you're just like holy crap holy crap and i actually started to feel a bit worried i was just like holy you know what's going on and it, then it does a bit where it goes oh you know and stanley realized that here he, oh, he must be in a dream he must have fallen asleep at his desk and if he's if he's in a dream he can control the world around him so he turned off gravity and you start floating around yeah. oh man i haven't i haven't got this one this sounds great and then oh he yeah. you know he you know he created stars and all this kind of stuff and you know he can just will himself to wake up and he didn't. And then he realized yeah. he must not be in a dream. Oh, no. And, then, you know, it starts building that panic again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to ruin the, the very end for Charles uh, now, seeing as you haven't, you haven't done that one. But yeah. um, there's sort of a bit right at the end that, that happens just before you reset. And you're just like, oh, my God, that that hit me really hard. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's sort of the most affecting ending I, I saw in the game. There's, yeah. There's, there's also a great one where he like wakes up and goes back to his normal life and his wife and stuff. And you're like, Oh, Stanley. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of the happy ending. Kind of. Sure. But kind, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. So moving on a little from that, I mean, we're talking about endings, like the segment that we're in is your favorite endings of the game. So it's interesting that a game, it's not about the game experience itself almost. It's about the endings that you find. So mm. I want to talk a bit about kind of is it a game or is it an experience and what does that mean? I, I think it's a game. Like, I mean, I think like for me, because it's interesting, like tying back to a discussion we've had about VR previously, it's interactive and you can do things within it and there are still things you can achieve and that you can finish. So obviously mm. even though the game you know, you can continue playing because you're constantly finishing the game, quote unquote. I still think it fits the criteria for a game, whereas there are some VR experiences that I, I don't think do fulfill the game requirement. Yeah. And they're, and they're more of a passive narrative. Mm. We're in this, you are making choices. And I think that's kind of part of the ethos or, you know, part of the story that the game's trying to drive home to you as well is that you are making choices mm. compared to even just a, a book, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, choose a goosebumps, choose your own adventure book. You've got, you know, it, it throws up a couple of choices to you where in this one, you can actively choose to go lock yourself in the room and not participate. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, that's how I choose to spend my day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which of course is a reflection on life. I mean, the game is saying yeah. us as workers in a you know regular capitalist society do not have choices, it's, which is the point of it, I guess. Yeah, you don't I mean, always have to listen to that voice in your head. It's it's also definitely about. Um, I mean, it, it's territory that other games have covered since then, but it's also kind of about the minion that you never see in a game. Like Stanley is not the character that is normally the main 
character of a game you know like it's the it's the red shirt thing where it's you know the minions that you mow down as the hero kidnaps the whatever and they have lives and families and things that they want to do and um and stanley is one of those minions stanley is not an important person and it's i always yeah i find games that play with narrative and kind of your choice of who the main character is like stanley is not exceptional he's not you don't know anything about him really like there are some little hints in the game about like his home life and stuff but he's not a hero he's normally you know employee number 427 or whatever <laughs> like it also touches on the idea of not just as a minion but even when you're controlling a protagonist or a hero you're making decisions for them and assuming you know they were alive or you know they had their own feelings on the subject are you forcing them down a path that they don't want to go on are you the narrator in their head telling them um what to do right say in an rpg like oh you know playing fallout the villages and yeah it's good and they're like what are you doing (laughs) playing fallout 4 you've just come out of you know hibernation your your child you know i've got to go find my child then you've You've actually gone, no, you know what? We're going to go build a super amusement park. (laughs) We're going to go gather, like go and and build, make drugs and take drugs and get addicted to drugs and clean that addiction, feed drugs to an old lady so she can give us visions. Um, You know, you're, you're inflicting these choices on a character, which is kind of a weird Mm. thing to think about. And I, I now want to play a game where it's the other way around. Like you tell a character to do something and they have to do it but they tell you to go fuck yourself if you tell them to do stupid things. Like, no, you go into that volcano and kill the dragon. Like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just, I don't think this is something that my character would do. Like, <laughs> like an actor, like refusing to read lines. <laughs> and you're like, no, you get out there and you perform. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I mean, it just, it's, it's definitely, it definitely makes you ask those questions about, yeah, the nature of choice within games. And, and, you know, I think for me, it was, I remember I played a final fantasy game uh, probably two or three iterations ago now. Um, and I got really frustrated with it. And it's because like, it was a good game. Like it had gotten good reviews, but I realized I was not particularly a fan of that franchise. And a lot of it was because I would just be getting into a battle or I would have just gone somewhere and then a cutscene would happen. And I was used mm. to those being, or like, you know, control would leave me as the player and something would happen where I, you know, half of the battle wasn't actually me doing things and it things, it wasn't a problem with the game per se. It was just a style of gameplay I wasn't used to and that I didn't enjoy. And like when I'm playing a game with very few exceptions, you know, like cutscenes or, you know, a particular yeah, a particular sequence of events, most of the time I want to be running around controlling my character. And it it was, I had to put it down after like, you know, eight hours of gameplay, which was probably like the tutorial <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was just so sick of losing that control literally every five minutes it felt like. Yeah, like you you have built up this narrative in your head of what this character's like or what you would like this character to be. Or hey, being able to move the controller. <laughs> yeah, or you know, it's like, oh, I want them to do this, and oh, this you know, this person in my party is a bit of a dick, so you know, screw them. And then it turns out that no, the game has decided they're your love interest for this story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you are, oh, you have to sit through all these cinematics of like, what? No, why would you choose that person? Because yeah, yeah. they're yeah. they're a douche. Well, in cutscenes these days, actually, it's interesting, and I only noticed this came in maybe six or seven years ago. Cutscenes, if you move the controller, you move the camera around a little in the cutscenes. Only some. Only but some. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, and it's like they're giving you just that inch of choice mm. uh, of which way to watch the cutscene to make it, you know, that little more interesting and to keep you involved. I make guess. you feel like you have control. Yeah. It's it's really interesting with VR because technically. Like, so um, in terms of writing for it, at any time you can look, you know, like a good example is um, there's quite a famous VR short film that's like a seance table. Um, And of course, it's like you're sitting there and you can look at any part of the room, you can look behind you, in front of you, down, up, you know, et cetera. But the thing you don't realize is that your attention is subtly drawn to different areas. Like there'll be a thump on the window or the branches will scrape or the light will flicker. And so even though you're like, I can look anywhere in the room I want, in reality, something thumps on the window and you turn to look at it in, in this VR experience. And I think games are similar in that ideally, especially like in maybe not open world games, but like a Fallout type game, you feel like I've chosen to go across the wasteland and do this particular quest. And then in reality, it's like, well, yeah, 90% of players 
choose to go that way. Like you've been guided subtly to your choices a lot of the time. Yeah. So a good game, and I think we've talked about this before, is that it makes the gamer feel like it's their experience and they're seeing it for the first time. It's unique to them and it feels special. Uh, And I think Stanley Parable did that really well when you found these endings that, you know, you're like, I must be the only person that's (laughs) ever found this. Like, this is for me. This is amazing. Uh, And that was, that was good. It was really good. I feel like there is at least one person though, that has played Stanley Parable, played the life ending, which is the follow the narrator, the entire time ending, finished it and been like, I don't get it. That was trash. (laughs) I'm never playing it again. Yep. Stand it off. Must well, be at least one. <laughs> maybe, maybe that person you know has has come across our podcast and gone, hey, you know that game was trash. I want to hear what these guys had to say about it. And then mm. we've just fucking blown their minds Hopefully. that there were more than one ending. Yeah. Uh, and I think especially playing with Steam, having the and this is a very gamer thing, having the achievements there on the store page, and that four oh three. Or so four three zero or whatever it was. Yeah, the door, sort of press it five times. Well, or... even even that, it just like it. I didn't mouse over the achievement, but I saw that. So I would always try and look for, you know, in the mind control room where the there was switches on the walls one, two, three, four, and five or something. Yeah. I thought, oh, maybe I meant to do four, three, and zero. Maybe that'll trigger a thing with those switches. <laughs> like I didn't realize it was a door thing. Yeah. Uh, but just like that, the gamer in me was like, oh, this could be an achievement. Yeah. In, in this room yeah and then obviously uh, and you know um one of our one of our listeners actually wrote a comment in saying if you haven't please click on door 4305 times hilarity yeah. ensues that's from brent uh and and i obviously went and did that and the narrator starts telling you hey you know we can't just give you an achievement that easily you're gonna have to do all these other things yeah. uh and i thought that was brilliant yeah yeah, it has some fun little There's more for me to play. There's more yeah. to do. I haven't yeah. done that either. And, and it's also a rare game where, like, I'm pretty sure I've played about 90% of it, and I would happily go back and play those uh, those sections again. But if you'd only played 50%, you'd probably also still feel like you've had a great gaming experience, mm. like, um, which is rare because most games, you know, if you don't hit, if you don't finish it, quote-unquote finish, you you tend to kind of go, well, I haven't played the game properly. Whereas this, it's like, like someone could find 50% of the endings and still feel like they'd played Stanley Parable, you know, pretty, pretty thoroughly. I actually got an ending and I want to, or kind of an ending. I had to, I ended up resetting. So it, you know, didn't get to a point where I was sort of forced to reset. Um, I felt I went down some way. I jumped off a elevator, I think. And, Mm -hmm. and then I got to this room with all these crazy lights and the voice was like, hey, let's just stay here. So oh, I did yeah, that for a bit. you have to leave that room. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to leave this room. And the only place I could go was this staircase. Yeah. And then you jump off it. Yeah. But yeah. I, did, I didn't die. You jump off it like four times. Ah, time see, I think I jumped off, off like two or three times. the lights. Yeah. And the lights change every time. Oh, um, But right. yeah, and like the, I think it's the fourth time you die. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. I went, I jumped. And then run and back up and jump. and sadder at you. I felt like a monster. Yeah, and he was just like, hey, why don't we just chill in this room for a while? And I was just like, oh, I've jumped like two or three times, haven't died. You know, I'm standing in this room, nothing's happening. The lights are kind of slowly changing over time, nothing's happening. Oh, I'm just going to fuck, I'm just going to restart. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I guess I came close to so close. an ending. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, for me, the clue is whenever it's like the narrator is giving me new content, I know I'm somewhere down at... A, the right path because it's like if I'm getting new sentences every time I go and do something I'm like okay that means I'm doing something that is slightly new yeah you've you've like, hit those triggers um yeah, yeah. yeah well sometimes he just says new things and I don't know why so the staff room for instance where it's like what an amazing room and you yeah. stood back and inspired it one time I went in and he just said something different about it and I'm like I don't know why I don't know what happened there and that's yeah. cool I couldn't did, I did, couldn't metagame it did you stop in um not in the staff room, but in like the meeting room. Did you read any of the whiteboards? Yeah, I read all the whiteboards and they were great. <laughs> it was just like teams, research, build a team trap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was it was great in that it, it made, uh, it reflected on a couple of things. One was the idea of being, a you know, a pawn for a business. Yeah. Uh, and also the fact that these corporate businesses are just these soulless entities that are trying to make money and just are often so ridiculous and inefficient uh, and just, there was, there was laughter. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a dark, dark game. Like there was, I, I took a few pictures, but it was like how to solve a dispute with a coworker. 
um, take it out passive aggressively on other coworkers, <laughs> leading to resent coworkers for not supporting you more and let it ball up inside you. I'm like, that is office corporate life summarized pretty accurately. <laughs> or in the room with all the, all the TVs of, you know, you can see every single room or whatever. Mm. And then some of them are snowed out <laughs> or, um, have you, have you gone through and looked at every single one of those screens? Uh, I've looked at most, I think. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's great. <laughs> And some of them seem dead and yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, we're sort of getting towards the end of the episode here. Is there, I guess, we're at the last sort of, or last couple of segments we got out. Would you recommend this game? Well, is there anything negative about it? Firstly, that's, oh, that's the, true. I mean, I think the only negative for me would be, it is not a game I could recommend to someone that wasn't a gamer. Like there are games that I view as like, uh, like gateway drugs, like games that I could recommend to someone that are a bit more, not easy, but like something where I could see someone that wouldn't consider themselves a gamer playing it. This is like a, a good launching someone. point for someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, this is a game where I would recommend it to someone only if I knew that they were a capital G gamer, like they enjoyed games. They liked gaming, you know, thinking about games and the meta aspects of games. Cause I think otherwise this is not a game for you, but that's not so much a con as it is, I guess, just a comment about its audience and its market. And it makes us feel a little elitist because yeah, we can love, enjoy it. Yeah. We're, we're better. We're better than some. <laughs> yeah. I need that. Yeah. Um, so that's the only real, uh, yeah. And it's not a real negative for me. Um, and I mean, I think it's expensive, but I think it's worth it. So at the moment on Steam, it's fifteen bucks. But if you if you pop it on your wish list and yeah, wait for the special, wait for whatever. a sale, or, or or like I got it in a, hum, in a humble bundle as part of you know thirty dollars where I got thirty games or something like that. So it's certainly a game where I think it is worth paying full price. But if that's a bit pricey for you, then definitely wait out for the next the next sale. Or find a friend who's already got it installed and just go <laughs> go play it at their house and have them watch you because because they'll have played it and they'll I bet they will love to see what decisions you make yep. without it without giving you any input just yep. I'm just gonna watch what you do and kind of <laughs> and try and judge your personality based on <laughs> based on the kind of choices you make. Could you uh, could you think of anything you'd like to see or you'd improve, Dan? Um, I don't know. I've got a similar uh, similar point to Catherine that there are just some people I wouldn't recommend this game to. Um, those who don't have the patience to sort of sit down and, and absorb it. Uh, those people who are like, oh, you know, where's the kill button or where, you know, where are the yeah. zombies or whatever. Um, I would have loved to have a sprint button um, just to be able to run through those early rooms faster. I think you'd outpace the narration yeah well yeah that's and that's a problem i mean it, and they they made it clear in that museum bit that they made it a particular length to try and find that balance between resetting so often and it not being a huge amount of time before your first decision mm. uh especially if you see that room over and over again but then yeah if you if you i just want to sprint through that first bit and make that first bit a little bit faster yeah. uh and then in that endless loop i was in i wanted to move faster even though i know i was stuck in a loop i wanted to sprint through it faster that's how <laughs> how fucking scared i was getting <laughs> what about you Charles? Uh, no i see i i think for what it was it was a neat tight perfect little package mm. uh i was really happy with it uh I, it's very sexual it is yeah <laughs> they are uh, i think they set they went out with a goal uh and they delivered on it uh, in a very simple but effective way. Uh, I was very happy. Okay. Um, I have a few games that I would recommend if someone really likes Stanley Parable. I don't know if you guys have similar ones. Yeah, so I did want to I did want to yeah. touch on that. Um, so games, if you like Stanley Parable, you know, similar kind of games, or if you, yeah. yeah. So I think the two for me, one of them is a very different um, style of game, but um, Bastion, simply because of the narration. I thought it kind of delved into a little bit of that similar thing where it's a main character where the narrator reacts to what you do. Obviously a very, very different style of game, but you know, a gorgeous, amazing game that is one of my favorites, but um, that just for really the narration, the active narration aspect, I guess. And then the other one that I think is in its own way, really, really similar, um, although done completely differently is a game called Pony Island um that is like kind of four bucks on steam or something like that and it's you know you're 
playing this very simple pony game and then suddenly you crash to desktop mm -hmm. and you're summoning the devil and but it's all like within a fake computer screen and then you're like it's it's very very meta in the same way as stanley parable and it the game gets more and more complex as it and gets harder and harder and again it's the kind of game i love because it's a commentary on gaming like a lot of it talks about kind of gaming culture and different you know builds of games and it's the same the same bit of me that was made happy by stanley parable was made happy by pony island so that would be my strong recommendation if you like stanley parable go play pony island how about you charles because i know this is not sort of the kind of game you would normally play yeah well exactly a uh, so gamer amongst us I <laughs> <laughs> it's loose, isn't it? Yeah. We, we need more bro gamers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've I haven't played anything like this. I'm now intrigued by Pony Island. It's um, so good. <laughs> yeah, so I can't really relate anything to it, interestingly enough. It really took me to a place I hadn't really gone for with gaming, uh, which is why I would say if you're a gamer uh, and you enjoy gaming as a concept uh, and as a, a way of life, I think uh, I think you've got to play this just for a couple of hours just to experience their, their tight neat little package it's it's also i mean that's another big thing in its plus column it is short and i mm. know that's normally not a great thing but it it, it you know oh. it's three or four hours and you will get a lot of the game yeah like, I, i'm enjoying short games more and more these yeah. days yeah i uh i have a couple of games that i would recommend if you enjoyed stanley parable um i'd be very surprised if you hadn't heard of the portal games oh, yeah, um yes yeah, i've never played them they're a little bit different in that there's a narrator, but they are a, they're, kind of if not, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking to you over a loudspeaker. They're very different from you. Whereas obviously Bastion, the narrator is just the narrator kind of, mm. um, but in portal and portal Two, sort of the, the voiceover is talking you through these areas and going, Hey, yeah, you're doing really great. Keep going. Or that was really, that was really dumb. Why'd you do that? Uh, and it's got that sort of similar aspect and it's, you know, in the, in the source engine, the half-life sort of engine as well. So it's very similar kind of mechanics. Um, uh, if you haven't played that, I definitely recommend giving that a try unless you get motion sickness from playing first person games, do not play portal. You may puke. Um, I know. Yeah. I know people who can't play a lot of like, can't even play Minecraft. That head bobbing kind of makes them feel a bit uneasy after a while. And when you're playing with portals, it your perspective goes all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, yep, that's on my on my bucket list. And another of shame. pretty short game. Yeah, yeah, I haven't played it, and I should have, but I never did. You so definitely should play. Yeah. Definitely play both, especially because uh, you can go back and play Portal Two with a friend and play co-op. Uh, and there's sort of a whole new section of puzzles Charles that you can have play. Any <laughs> wow, that's true. Will, will you play with me, Dan? Will you uh, play with me? I think <laughs> I'm busy. I'm, I think I'm busy that week. Yeah, whatever oh. week it is, seems busy. The other game which I'd recommend, uh, at least to give a try, is another indie game called Thomas Was Alone. Ah, uh, yes, I love that game. That's great. And you're a small little blue square. Yeah. And there's a narrator saying, like, Thomas was alone. He felt he became sentient and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he met these other shapes. And Gertrude was a big square. And you kind of have to move these different... You're making it around. sound lame, but it's a great game. No, yeah, no, it's it's lovely, and it's it's sort of got this this heart to it as well. It's very where, calming, yeah. Yeah, Thomas meets these other shapes, and they're all different shapes, and they all realize that oh, hey, you know, this shape's really good at jumping high, and and you know, then it's it's all puzzles again, like similar to Portal, you know, working out your environment to sort of get get to the uh, the next area. Um, but I had that sort of yeah, very calming, like oh, hey, everything's going to be okay, and and whatnot and i really enjoyed that and and felt a little bit of that in stanley parable when i was following all the orders i was like yeah this is i uh <laughs> i can trust this voice just, and it's just you just played the life ending yeah over over and over. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i actually like, what a cool game <laughs> i actually thought when the when the when the um the light you know you're in that dark room right at the end uh and you know it's opening up to the garden i thought it would open up to seeing inside and you'd be inside the computer looking at stanley as he leaves mm. the the, uh, the office or something. I was just like, oh, I've become the computer, yep. <laughs> giving him his orders. Um, but yeah, so Thomas Thomas was alone in Portal 1 and 2, uh, yep. my recommendations if you like this game. Yeah. Cool. Good recommendations. Mm -hmm. Charles has played none of them. Nope. So do you have any recommendations? No. I guess I, you don't. You don't no, play in this I don't play this kind of yeah. game, yeah. Yep. Fascinating. Maybe well, I should. Yep. Maybe he can just recommend Total War Warhammer 2. <laughs> 
I can definitely recommend that. <laughs> Don't You're going to mess up some elves. Okay, let's go to our yeah, wrap-up segment. Yeah. <laughs> the next game next week is This War of Mine. Yeah, it is. It's yep. going to be good. Much more my kind of game. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, well, it's got it's war in the title. Survival. I love survival games. Mm-hmm. I love the challenge because like, all I want is there to be some kind of post-apocalyptic event in the real world and for me to survive through it and eat dogs. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Okay. Not cats. I will I will make them my friends and we will hunt dogs together. So This War of Mine by 11-Bit Studios uh, is on PlayStation 4, Android, Xbox One, iOS, PC, uh, and Linux. So we're obviously going to be play playing the PC iOS. version. <laughs> play it on Linux. Yuck. Uh, so we're going to be playing that for computer. next fortnight, and I believe this episode will air on... Uh, Monday the 17th of April and so the episode after that will be on the 1st of May if everything goes according to plan we'll have uh, the next episode for this war of mine Uh, but if you want to stay up to date with everything we're talking about of course we have a game club podcast group isn't that right Charles we do it's on Facebook Uh, search for game club podcast or just game club uh, I think Game Club or Game Club Podcast, you should be able to yeah. find it, or Game Club, a non-fiction gaming podcast, uh, where people uh, who are playing along with us each week sort of you know leave comments on what they like. Uh, we've got a poll there, so you can sort of vote on if you think Frisky Business should be one of the games that we play. <laughs> Please uh, don't vote for that. <laughs> Everyone. Please don't. Vote for it. I want to make Catherine play this. It'll make me so happy. And if you enjoy the show, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Those things go a long way to making a new show like ours get discovered. We got one review recently from Sylvester, a great conversation each episode with the hosts taking subtle jabs at each other. You can tell they're all good friends and have very different takes on the games they play. So thank you very much for that review. Uh, I, mean, you- we're, I mean, we're friends. <laughs> good. so maybe they weren't 100% accurate with their review if you think we don't sound like good friends maybe you can send uh, send us a review and then and then we'll we'll see how see your hot take on the issue Uh, Catherine where can uh, where can people find you on the internet they can find me at CS McMullen on the Twitters Charles have you tweeted since we started the game club (laughs) Are you still Look, an egg? I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet more just so I can say yes for the next episode. This episode <laughs> is no, but I'm at Charles Fries. Uh, if you want to see my empty tweet feeds, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I'm mostly about Zelda. <laughs> and I'm at NFG Dan. Thank you very much for joining us on Game Club. Uh, we'll catch you next time. All the best. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>